Divine, a space dedicated to celebrating sex, bodies, and our truest identities. Divine is a sex and body positive art scene made in Los Angeles, California. My name's Jillian Adele, and I'm an art director, designer, illustrator, pole dancer, and creator of Divine. For our first episode, I have my friend, fellow pole dancer, stripper, and artist, Sydney Southam, aka Phoenix Rose, to talk about her experience working and being fired from the strip club. She'll also talk about her piece made for the latest issue of Divine and what happens when we desire a certain level of objectification. Bye. Okay, cool. Recording in process. Cooking with gas. Yeah, totally. Sydney Southam, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank Um, you for asking to talk to me. Yeah, well, you are one of my main contributors for this issue of Divine. And, you know, the whole point of Divine is to have conversations um, around these issues that the zine is having and that I want to be having and that I think a a lot of us want to be having and creating space to do that. And so this just seemed like a natural um, way to do that. So I'm really excited to have you on the first one. Yay. So is that the is that the plan to like make a podcast, a divine podcast? Uh I mean it's not the worst idea. I think it's cool. I like it. I think we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I think sweet. I think uh every journey starts with a single step. <laughs> You're so wise. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no, that was the fortune cookie I had last night. I can't do oh, shit. <laughs> So first things first, I think it would be great if you just gave a bit of a rundown of who you are and why you're talking to me right now for people who might not know. Okay. Well, my name is Sydney Southam, um, also known as Phoenix Rose sometimes if I'm pole dancing or stripping nowadays, that's what I go by. Um, and I am a visual artist and a filmmaker based in Vancouver, BC, Canada. I'm also a pole dancer. I've been pole dancing for about four years now. Um, I teach, I perform, and I recently was working as a stripper for like five months, currently on hiatus. Um, not my own decision. <laughs> yeah, not not by choice. Um, I also am currently like not pole dancing at all because I'm really injured myself badly. So that sucks. But I have all this energy to devote to my art practice. So yeah, so I, you know, I'm really excited that my pole world and my art world are really coming together on the project this project that I've been working on for divine and other projects too, like it's all coming together because, um, it's, you know, it saves time if I can like kill two birds with one stone, you know what I mean? Cause pole like takes over my life a lot and, um, it can be really hard to balance the two worlds. So I'm like very excited that, um, I've been inspired to make artwork about pole dancing kind of and stripping and, yeah, so it's an exciting time in my world right now. Um, yeah, but is, yeah. This the, is this the first time for you that the art, your art world and pole world have come together like this? Well, I 
and yes, in in such a personal way. Like generally, my artwork is really personal and almost um, kind of like experimental documentary in a way. Um, but I recently was working with my friend Lauren Marsden on a film project um, that she hired me kind of as a dancer. Like she wanted to collaborate on something with me that involved pole dancing. And so I helped produce this exhibition, which ended up being um, a video, basically a video installation, multi-channel piece that used pole dancing as an allegory for a post-industrial crisis world. And it was like very kind of, weird and dreamy and kind of sci-fi yeah (laughs) it was (laughs) it was crazy actually doing and shooting that is um I kind of what uh caused me to be extremely injured right now which kind of sucks but so you know the things we do for art um I don't understand ah Siri's talking to me me stop it Siri we love you but you are not shut up Siri no you are not invited to this (laughs) Were you, like, um, sitting on your phone? No, I don't know. I just, like, touched it. My phone is so old and, like, just on the fritz that it just does weird shit. Um, <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, um, it was totally weird. So, yeah, that happened recently. So that show actually just opened, like, last week. Um, but in terms of, like, my own, like, really representing myself in my work and and as a pole dancer, this is the first time that I've done that. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what uh, art came before pole, right? I mean, video and video, video art is your main, your main jam, right? Yeah. Well, nowadays, yeah. So like I used to be a painter, photographer, drawing, all that stuff. Um, Then I went to art school in London, England. And while I was there, I got into video art basically I just started making films and for me I find it's like that's conceptually where my work tends to go and I've kind of also been getting more into performance as well I actually just did a really awesome performance this weekend that I'm super excited about that I was working on with my boyfriend and um it went really well but like fuck, I didn't know if it was going to but it did it was like it was like performance yeah it was like part, I described it as a, a absurdist experimental documentary performance. That's what I would describe it as. Dang. Yeah. It was really <laughs> hilarious and it was really weird. And it was, it was basically like a heightened version of our relationship, but like, and it was called Secret Handshake and it involved like an, a really long handshake that we did in slow motion. <laughs> And and it also involved us, like, dressing each other and then spitting liquid jello all over each other. And, like, yeah, it was really good. It was actually really good. Wait, where can People loved it. Um, Well, it just happened, like, last night and the night before. But it was filmed, so I probably will put a thing on my Vimeo and I can send you the link. So Um, is he an artist also? Well... I would say yes, but actually, funnily enough, right before, after our dress rehearsal, before the first performance, he goes to, like, all the other artists. He's like, can you tell that we're not artists? Is it obvious? And I was like, first of all, speak for yourself. Like, I don't know. I'm an artist, but whatever. (laughs) But uh, he's, like, 
Uh, he's like a carpenter and he's been like making films and stuff his whole life. And his, his kind of life is an art project. I mean, what so, is art really? Exactly. Art is life. Exactly. Okay, but I mean, even that. with that, it's like <laughs> this performance that we made that like my friend commissioned us me to do something. She's like, just make something with Giles. And I was like, all right. And even then it ended up being like really personal, even though it was a totally absurd, like very... Yeah, it, but it was very, very personal. So, like, my artwork always just is very close to me. And, and like, we started the, this performance completely naked. And, like, to me, that wasn't a big deal at all. And, like, at one point, like, I was, like, wearing a white T-shirt and socks with, like, no underwear. And, like, I was, like, on his back with, like, my asshole, like, to the audience. And to me... That's, like, normal. I don't know. But people are like, oh, my God, like, so brave. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. But Yeah, that's such, a, that's such a weird thing. I mean, I think a lot of people get that kind of reaction when they're engaging in anything that, like, I mean, I don't even know how to um, really categorize it. But I feel like there's, like, anything that anybody sees that, like, is impressive to them. They're like, Oh, I could never do that. Or like, that's such a big deal. And like, it's so funny because I think what it ends up coming down to, I mean, I'm speaking from a place with like pole and stuff. Usually I guess like also storytelling stuff, but, um, people are just like, Oh, I could never do that. And like, what it really comes down to is like, what is intimate to, um, to one person is not, intimate or difficult to another and I think that like it just has to do with where those things are placed because like for example for me like I now post semi-nude photos of me on the internet and maybe someday nude um but I rarely if ever post photos of like my friends and family like on my Instagram I'm like very very protective so um well I just find that that's boring like why do I like I hate I like unfollow people when they post pictures of their friends (laughs) and family like cold answers or whoever I'm just like even my friends I'm just like I don't care what you had for dinner like stop like (laughs) I mean I post food photos though so don't get it twisted I post food photos though oh do you Oh, yeah. Well, sometimes. But, like, more just, like, I don't know. But that's, again, like, that's, I, it's a different thing. Like, a lot of people are just, like, posting photos, you know, just, like, to share with their friends. But, like, I don't really treat social media that way. I used to, but not anymore. (laughs) Oh, Um, But to answer your question further, like, the way that I know you is totally through social media, speaking of social media, and... The pole world, which has been, like, really exciting for me that I've gotten to know, like, so many amazing women, such as yourself, just through, like, through dance and through posting videos and sharing movement and all the stuff. And it's, like, yeah, it's pretty exciting and powerful thing. And, yeah, so I'm excited about meeting you. (laughs) And even um, just through pool, like, I feel like we know each other, even though it's like, we've only met once in real life, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, so we know each other through Carmine. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and for yeah. people who don't know, Carmine Black is a pole dancer. She's also a good friend of mine. Um, she also is my next door neighbor, except not right now because she's traveling for a bunch of time because she's a professional pole dancer. Um, and... She was the first person that I saw that, 
I must have been dancing about six months or so um, at Beast Bun here in LA. And um, Liz was still just, or Carmine, I don't know. I don't know which name to use. Uh, Carmine is her dance name, but um, she was just a student still, and we would just be in class, and it would be like free dance or whatever, free dance time, and I mean, just the most astounding, (laughs) like, you would just look at her and just be like, your mouth would like fall to the floor and just be like, who is this person? Um, And then I started, I looked up her Instagram, and I was like, oh, dear Jesus, like, this is, this is it for me. Like, at that point, I had taken class with, I don't know, do you know Adrian? Adrian Lauren? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like Liz learned a lot from her too, but um, Adrian is another pole dancer. And I had had her as a teacher um, who was one of the first people that I really learned, like, sensual movement from and all that kind of thing. But Liz had a an intensity, but also an emotionality, if that's a word. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just all these things coming together in this really interesting way that I had never seen before. And, um, then she started teaching not long after and she would teach on Sundays and I would go to her classes and then we would just stay for hours after and just dance. And I mean, I look back those videos and it's funny because, um, I couldn't do anything, like, technically. Like, I could barely even body roll. I actually have, like, an outtake video of me, like, trying to do pirouettes and, like, just failing at them. Like, a fail, a pirouette fail video where I just spent a whole day trying to do pirouettes and I would, like, lose my balance and fall, like, constantly. Um, (laughs) But I had so much, like, internal, just emotional juice to, like, connect with the music and to dance and, like – I mean, I think most people who get into pole or – I mean, really get into any creative activity that really speaks to them from the inside. Like when you have that initial juice where you just cannot get enough of it, just like constantly. Um, And so looking at Liz's uh, Carmine, I can't, Um, her, her Instagram posts are always like tagging like 25 people that, yeah. I don't even know who they were. There are people that inspired her movement. There were people that she was friends with, people that she danced with that day, people that she yeah. thought might like looking at that video, like 20, 20 to 30 people, like a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so that just became normal to me. And I think like you were somebody, you and um, another mutual friend of ours, Sonia Sloan. Well, I've never met her, but she yeah. she's with you. She's a really good friend. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think like that was the initial connection where I would just like, I was like, Oh, who's this person? And then like click. And then we just started kind of interacting through that. Um, totally. And I think and you came- that, that was, yeah. And then I came and we met in LA and like another thing that Carmine did that was like, honestly, like life changing in terms of my dance too, was just this do, doing the sexy pole challenge the when she did it last year. And like, I remember, like, because really that challenge really was about, like, not about tricks, not about, like, technically difficult things. It was about intention or the apparatus that you were using and, like, it was accessible to anyone. And, um, like, just seeing – I think that that really opened me up as a dancer. And, like, from that point on, I started posting, like, a lot more videos and challenging myself and, like – yeah, I think like that's really it's amazing what she's been able to do in the pole community and bringing so many people together. And yeah, when I came down to LA, 
um, I took her workshop and that's when I met you and we all hung out and like, yeah, it's awesome. But I, but I do feel like there was like an instant, there was like an instant connection there. Like, I just, I feel like we went to this bar after her workshop and like, I feel like we were like just up in conversation, like, like deeply in the middle of this like shitty karaoke bar. Totally. No, we were. And like, jacket. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I felt that for sure. And I think like, as I was putting together Divine, so, um, you know, back when I put out the first issue, I messaged, uh, okay, so I mean, a lot of people at this point know this story, but like, I'll just kind of recap a little bit. Um, But I started taking these like nude photos of myself and I went through a major existential crisis last fall. And I was just like, what do I do with these photos? Like, I want to put them out. I feel weird about putting them out. I'm not sure. I was like super self-conscious about it. I was going through this existential crisis, but there was like a lot of energy behind it. And I feel like my world was starting to crack open in terms of like, where can I share these if I even want to? Like, why do I feel bad or weird about wanting to share them? And like, what do you guys think? And I think I messaged like you, Sonia, uh, Ange, who is Pole Peaches on Instagram, uh, and then um, Pole Parlor, Crimson, Minx. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like messaged you guys on Instagram and said like, guys, what do you think of all this? And we just got in this like heated conversation about like, all that kind of stuff, which really to me was like the juice that made me want to make divine because it, it showed me and proved to me that, um, you know, there, there was a conversation that was just simmering under the surface waiting to be had. And it, it wasn't just about, um, pull and it wasn't just about feminism and it wasn't just about art. It was kind of about all of these things and also lots of other things. And like, um, there, I, I was not aware of really a, that conversation being had anywhere yet. And I think, I don't know if it was you or, or who said like at that time that you were like, oh, you should put out like a listserv like once a month of like do all this writing. And it was kind of like yeah. too much abort mission. Like I just yeah. need to do this one thing. It was like too much, but, um, it was really special. That conversation in that moment was really special to me. It remains really special. Um, yeah. and I think like, then kind of from then till now, um, and now having, uh, you know, all, all the submissions are in except for one, but I know everything that's going to be going in there content wise, um, for the second issue and everything like that. But now having gone through this process of receiving submissions and deciding really where, um, where my role and where my responsibility and position could be, uh, in creating, this zine for this issue, but also like for future conversations and future issues. And, um, it really became a little, you know, the, the sweet spot is, you know, I, I feel like I have a eyeball for art and design and, and all that kind of thing. And, and also a mind for a lot of these issues that, um, pull was my gateway drug for, you know, um, all these feminist issues, gender issues, um, now a lot of like sex and body and, and porn issues, um, and content. Um, and, and my responsibility was really at the sweet spot in the middle of those. And what was really difficult was that I, you know, in the poll community, there are, I mean, so many women and so many people who have so much to say and so many experiences, um, 
that are valid and, and relevant and I, I would love to include, but uh, because divine ultimately is meant to be uh, the printed part, at least be a piece of art in and of mm-hmm. itself that uh, it's really hard to find, you know, a way to be able to include everybody in that artistic sense. So I think the fact that you naturally have this background of art, and also, you, you kind of have. You are both so like lucky that you found me, Jillian. <laughs> that's, that's what this whole I think that's essentially yeah, what you're trying to say. Yeah. yeah and, and Sonia, too. And that's why I really yes. want to get her in there, too, because I feel like yes. she'd be amazing. But she would yeah. be. She but I was getting is at. moving to Montreal. <laughs> She's moving like really soon. She's leaving Vancouver. It's really sad. But really? Yes, but it's the right. It's good for her though. She's got. She's got to write her PhD and embark on her career. But mm. yeah, so it's sad though. Like she was one of my, basically, like, yeah, one of my original teachers, and then became my really, really good friend. And yeah, I want to hang out with her so bad. It's stupid. She's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Okay, let me get my bearings here. Cool. Um, okay, so yes, that's how we know each other. And yeah. uh, thank the gods above that I found you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but I think like it, it. I mean, well, I feel the same way about like just having this opportunity to make the piece that I've been making because like this conversation that you're talking about literally. Like, you were messaging me. I had, like, just started stripping. I think I it was, like, my second week of working in a strip club. I And it was, like, very, yeah. Like, and then you came out with the first issue of Divine. And then, you know, be through these conversations we were having, like, I was, and obviously I was embarking on this new, like, career being a stripper. And all the fucking crazy emotions it was bringing up. And, like, just through the conversations with you, it was, like, so amazing that I kind of had, like, an out, an artistic outlet to kind of channel that stuff. Because I was, like, I'm just going to shoot some stuff and try and, like, work through what I'm feeling. So, like, I don't know if I probably would feel, like, way, way shittier now if I hadn't have had, you know, that outlet to kind of channel like everything that I was feeling while I was working there and like while what I've been feeling since I got fucking fired so because mm. yeah like that I mean it really was it's the timing of it all is kind of crazy like how it worked out that way but I that mean that's me, that makes me so happy and like yeah but I mean I think all that is to say that I really um you know some of some of the the contributions, some of the submissions for the zine, I really had to work through them with people. So if they were um, design or art people, I kind of had to talk them through the conversation that we were having with the piece that they wanted to make visually. Um, because some designers and illustrators, not all, but some, uh, tend towards just wanting to make something that is really visually juicy, but not really thinking about the conversation as much. And then vice versa, um, you know, getting the more intellectual content to, you know, 
look like a piece of art or, or exist as a piece of art in some way. Um, so being able to really trust that, you know, uh, I, I don't have to do that with you. I knew that whatever was going to come out was going to be great. And not only that, but oddly, like the way that you shot your, your visuals, the photos and, and the video, like are just automatically for some reason, like the way that they're gritty, um, and super imperfect and a little bit like, um, lo-fi just is naturally, yeah. <laughs> naturally yeah, makes a lot really of sense fits. with the aesthetic. Cause I think like the lo-fi thing is something I really, it's kind of like, it's weird. It's kind of like, um, lo-fi with like a luxury twist. Is how I That's think it's totally it. right. Yeah. It looks like, yeah. I, cause I, I wanted it to almost look like security camera footage, but it's also like the colors are like weirdly sumptuous. So it's like sex. If security cameras were really sexy, you know, <laughs> That's what Is that it looks what we like. should call the yeah. security camera? Maybe. So I have to no. think about what I want to call it. When I well, put it out, that, I realized it was a horrible idea. <laughs> and like you can tell from the still images, but I shot it all um, at eight frames per second, so it's like not a it's not a smooth video. It's like a little bit cho- just like slightly choppy because I wanted it to have that like that feeling of like lost frames or like kind of not fully reality. And yeah. And it's, I shot that with, Oh my God, I love this camera so much. I just got it for Christmas for my boyfriend. It's called um, a digital Harunizumi guru. It's like a tiny camera. That's as big as the palm of your hand that shoots um, video and stills. And it has all these like weird settings that's supposed to look like kind of like super eight, but not really like it's like its own thing. Um, and like different colors, filters and like, yeah, just like kind of weird visual stuff, but it's super like, it's a plastic toy camera. It's like very easy to use, very small. So for me it was perfect. Cause like everything I shot, um, like I shot everything in the change room at the club where I was working and like normally I'd be in this tiny, tiny, tiny room with like four or five other girls. Like there was a couple nights where like I was the only one that was in that room because there was kind of two rooms. And anyways, it's like a weird club like that. Like the change rooms are really small. And um, like I was mostly trying to shoot this stuff. Like I didn't want anyone to know I was shooting anything because I didn't want anyone to be weirded out. So I was like trying to find like 10 or 20 minutes when there'd be no one in the room. So it'd be like the other girl was on stage and then I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to shoot something now. So it, and a lot of times like I'd be shooting and then someone would come in the room and I'd have to like just throw the camera in my bag, like, (laughs) and pretend like I wasn't doing anything and nobody ever noticed or said anything. Would they get upset if they like, I think so. There's a lot of, I actually was thinking about this today because, well, yeah, first of all, I think, a lot of, like, a few girls would probably, like, a lot of people don't want anyone to know that they're stripping or, like, and some, especially girls that have been in the industry for a long time or, like, can be really paranoid and have a lot of, like, anxiety about that type of stuff and you're not, like, supposed to ever take pictures or do, like, yeah, like, you're not supposed to do that in the club. Right. Um, well, because I know as a patron, s- as a patron, yeah. you're not 
ever allowed to have your phone yeah. out or take pictures? Oh, well, you're allowed to have your phone at the club where I worked. I would always yell at people if they had their phones out in the front row. Like, it fucking drove me crazy. Um, yeah, I think here at Cheetah's, I think you're allowed to have your phone out, but if they catch you taking pictures, but yeah, if Jumbo's, they will, they, yeah. they will <laughs> come for you. Yeah. Um, and, like, I thought maybe, like, uh, I would, if I, I thought about like shooting, asking some of my friends that work there, if I could shoot them, but it just never, like, it never felt right. And also it's like, yeah, in this really small space and I didn't want to like, I don't know, there was just like a vibe, like between shows and we're just like hanging out and talking and everything. I didn't want to be like, Hey, can I like record this? You know what I mean? And then have to deal with like what is this for? Like, why? You know, I didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable. It's already like, I wanted to kind of preserve that like sacred space for everybody. But when it was just me, like I did my little performance dancing stuff, filming myself doing shit. Basically. Yeah. I think that's like a fun (laughs) thing to know. So you'll be showing the video. You'll be down here May 19th for the release and you'll, we'll see the video, right? Yes. Yep. That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's kind of like fun. It's kind of fun, at least for me to know that like, <clears throat> excuse me, like the context for the video is, is that is the fact that like you were taking yeah. these shots, like in between, in these like stolen moments. And like, sometimes yeah. like, I'm sure you edit it out, but like you had to, the end of it is like you throwing it in your bag or something. Like, yeah. Getting it off the shelf. Like, Oh, I hope people don't see that's kind of like, for me kind of like adds to kind of the secret, sacred stolen yeah. moment. Like it was definitely that's, I, I that's totally right. Like, cause I think I got better at it too. Cause like a lot of the, first stuff I I shot like it just wouldn't be it wasn't a clean shot in the sense that there'd be like a you could see like a pile of bags or like that you know what I mean so like by the end like with all the final images that I ended up using all of them were like I think most of them were from like the last day that I shot anything there and it was like okay like I have to move everything out of the way because it's honestly that room was so fucking small and there's so much shit in there I was like I have to make sure you can't see like you know, any, like, whatever, I had to move a lot of shit around to make it look better, um, but at first it was just more, I was just like, okay, how, where can I set this camera that is going to give me, like, the right angle so that I can get the shot that I want, and, like, what kind of movements look good, and all that stuff, and then, yeah, by the end it was, like, a lot easier, and yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so your entry, your submission, I know, I mean, like, you were already talking about the fact that when all this started, you were just starting stripping, and mm-hmm. now you've been fired from the strip club. And a lot of yeah. the work, like, it is it is crazy, the yeah. trajectory of that based around your creation of this project. And I know. That. It's so, insane. <laughs> so do you want to share about this right now? Sure. Sure. Um, like – my the whole my whole strip club journey so far yeah or like how or like the firing part or whatever the firing part sure I can talk about well okay so and I'm still like I'm still really trying to work through the feelings that I have about everything that's happened because like I really like I went I decided to to 
start stripping, I had like done, I had stripped in a couple of like special shows that my friend had produced that were like, it was a really, really positive experience. Is that the retro um, strip Yes. Club? So I did the retro strip show. I've done it three times now, but at that time I had done it twice. I had never stripped before. My friend who is a stripper um, and a burlesque performer and it, she's a really amazing human and produces this show. She was one of my students and she asked me to be in the show and like that's how I got into it and I had kind of it really opened my eyes to like this whole like that's the thing like being a stripper inherently I really do believe is an amazing thing and it I fucking love it so much what I do not love is that the people in charge of strip clubs at the end of the day are fucking rich white patriarchal assholes and that is like where I'm really conflicted so I my exposure to the industry was very like through rose-colored glasses you know I was like in these these shows that were produced by amazing women the audience is mostly women I was in complete control of what music I wanted to dance to what I got to wear you know everything like it was so 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 positive and I thought this club where my friend works would like, I had heard mixed things about it, but this club had a 20-foot pole and a huge stage. So right there, I was like, okay, this is going to be – that would be an amazing to perform on that stage. And I heard, like, the manage, some of the managers were women and a lot of my friends worked there and blah, 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 blah. So, like, I tried to get a job there for a while. It didn't really work out. Like, I was kind of trying for, like, six months. It didn't work out until September. So right before we ha- I had this conversation with you um, – so yeah, I started, finally like, got hired. That conversation. It was I think, like was first, like, I remember because I was in Winnipeg for my cousin's wedding. It was like October 8th or something like that. Oh I God. really didn't remember for this stuff. Yeah. yeah, I was in, I was at a wedding, I remember. So it was like first, like second weekend in October or something. So I had just been working there for a couple weeks and it started off really great. Like I, you know, I was working there a lot. I, most of my friends worked there. Everyone I thought was super nice. And it kind of, like, just stripping is really different from, like, a regular pole performance and a pole competition. Because I've done a lot of competing and pole dancing and teaching and all that stuff. And, like, I really was kind of sick of that world. And then I with stripping, like, on a good night, and if the audience is, like, you know, ready to engage with you in the proper way, it really can be like a very real, like transmission of love between you and the audience. And you're really like providing an amazing service. And if the person is appreciative of what you're doing, it like you get so much out of it. Like it, I really loved that I could like, you know, bring someone joy in a really real way, and then also get paid for it. Like I it really kind of blew my mind. And, um, yeah, I mean, so that I was... think there's a, there, there is a, I mean, that's a pretty frequent view as a shipper. I don't know. I listened to this podcast called Unzipped PDX. Um, I've been listening to it a lot lately and, uh, two of the women on the show are, uh, strippers and, and nude performers. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how I hear them talk about it mm-hmm. at least. And yeah. I think obviously there's, there's downsides, but I think like that's a pretty common if you do do it and it goes well like that's why people love it and i think yeah. that 
it's not really talked about totally. <laughs> enough, you know? Yeah. Because I think it's a lot of the root. Okay. Well, I'll let you finish the story and then we'll get, get to that. Okay. Continue. Yeah. No, totally. And I've, like, I had heard so many dancers say that too, which is why I wanted to get into it. And I was like, it really, I really, really loved it. And everything was going really great. And I was working there more and more. And the thing with this and like this particular club, like they really demanded that you have like huge costumes. Like I was getting, like I have, I got this fucking huge Vegas showgirl costume and like feathers and sparkles. And like, it's, it's kind of different up here than it is in the States. Like with the clubs, they like want over the top costumes. And (laughs) so I was like getting all these costumes and like, you know, working more and more and more. And then I gave up some of my classes teaching because I couldn't, like, it was way too much work. And I was happy to do it. I was like, this is great. I would way rather be working at the club more. And then all of a sudden, like, so it was, everything was great for like a month and a half. And then one of the managers quit and then everything got really fucking weird. And basically like, but like a couple girls left and then anyways I I was told that I was no longer going to be on the regular schedule because um basically that they the woman they were t- uh, the owner told the woman that hired me that she had to hire chicks with big tits because all of the girls had small boobs because at the time most of the girls working there had like natural chests I guess And that was, like, my first kind of, like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, I thought I was doing a good job. Like, I got, I did everything you guys wanted. I got the costumes. I got the hair extensions. I, like, wear full makeup, fake eyelashes, like, you know, all this stuff. And so I was kind of taken aback. And she was like, oh, don't worry. I'll call, like, you'll always work. I always need people to, to call in or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I'll just see how this goes. So... From that point onwards, it got incredibly fucking stressful there because I never knew when I was going to work. I was only like, I would usually only get like a few hours notice. So I started kind of, I would say yes to shifts that normally I wouldn't say yes to. Like I'd work on my rest day or like if I had already taught, I'd like rush from, you know, Tantra Fitness to the strip club. And, you know, I just started kind of doing all these little things where I wasn't taking care of myself. And I became like totally obsessed with what I could do to make them like me more. You know what I mean? Like I could slowly, I started to lose myself a little bit. Like instead of say like, you know what, this is not acceptable. Like I cannot live this way. Um, like, and, you know, say like, give me one shift a week or, you know, or nothing, which is probably what I should have done because trying to work in that, type, like being an on-call stripper, I can't think of anything more horrible. Like it's crazy. Cause I need, like, it's just totally not manageable. Yeah. I remember so, a little bit um, when you were in that moment and I think I just said like, how are you? And you were just like, not good. <laughs> you no, were like, no, I was not good. You were like, like kind of just in it I feel like in that moment yes and you know what though it was right right in the time that they were like yeah sorry you're not gonna be on the schedule anymore that was when I started shooting because that happened right before Christmas and then I got given this camera for Christmas and I was like fucking perfect and I was like I remember having that thought of being like I had just 
you were just giving out the submission for the this episode of Divine, I was like almost being fired. And mm-hmm. then I got this camera and then I was like, okay, sweet. I'm going to like not worry about this fucking drama and just try and like channel this into some art that I can make. So that's kind of was all happening. But it was really fucking hard to be like, yeah, to just be living that way. And like, I was always, I had never even met the owner. Like I would get these weird, like, I I always was getting information like second or third hand from people. And yeah, it just got really, really weird. And I just did not feel comfortable at all. And I always felt I was going to be fired at any second. And they were like someone, every time I came into work, some new person was fired. And like, it was, it was really weird. Um, and then, yeah, like, eventually I ended up being fired. Finally, it took, like, forever. Um, but, yeah, just that, like, in that time, like, when I was initially told, you know, oh, yeah, like, you can't be on the schedule because you don't have fake tits, essentially. Like, I, and even before that happened, like, I just remember thinking, like, being obsessing about my body and, should I get fake tits? And like, and it's, it's really hard to get away from that in that industry. Cause like the, here are the, all these amazing, beautiful women. And it's like, everyone's kind of like thinking of how you can make yourself a little bit better. Like, Oh, if I had fake tits, then like, you know, wouldn't that be so great? Or like, maybe I'd make more money or like, you know, it's when you're around that all the time, it really gets into your head. And then I tried to figure out like, do I actually want to augment my body or do I only want to do it because I think that some old white man will like let me work there if I do it. And then yeah, it was I weird because yeah, like I talked about it with you. Yeah, I, re- I well, I remember just being really legitimately shocked when you said that to me. I mean, I never really had too much experience with having a lot of friends who have fake boobs until I started pole dancing, actually. And a lot of my really close friends who are not strippers, um, actually most of them are doctors and nurses and med students, (laughs) all have um, fake boobs. And, uh, you know, but when when I first started dancing, I mean, I I remember one of like the the first things that I really got high on about the community is the fact that everybody was like, cheering for you no matter what you look like no matter what your level was especially when you're super beginner like people are just like stoked if you're walking around the pole like they're just stoked if you showed up and you know I remember like mentioning that I don't know who I mentioned it to it may have been Liz but uh I don't remember who it was but then somebody was like oh yeah like that kind of changes like as you get older and or not older but like more into it or I guess if you're more serious about dancing or I guess if you're a stripper like and it's just such a weird like it's a weird dichotomy to me to kind of for me personally have been brought up in this pole community that is so universally loving and accepting but having there be kind of this underbelly um, about needing your body to be quote unquote perfect or like whatever that is. And then hearing it from you who has been dancing longer than me and actually hearing you in this moment where you're like, you did not sound like you wanted fake boobs. You sounded like you might get them because somebody else wanted you to. And that was like really jarring. (laughs) 
It wasn't. Well, that's what I was like. That's what I was trying to explore too. Because I was like, it was like there was this other voice inside me that was like trying to convince me that I wanted them, and I was like, wait, do I want that? Like it. I was like, that's really interesting that I'm even thinking this right now because I never, ever thought in my wildest dreams that I would be in this position. And I never thought, like, I also, like, coming in, getting into stripping, I, like, naively thought that I somehow wouldn't be affected by any of this. And then I very quickly, like, really quickly was affected by it. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, this is powerful shit. Like, some guy, old man that I've never even met is like passing down the message through his minions that I am not allowed to work here because they want fake tits or whatever. And it's like, and at the same time that I was being told this, like literally like in the text of me being fired for having, not having fake boobs, it was also like, your show is amazing. You know, your show is amazing. And I was like, yeah, everyone tells me my show is amazing. The managers, like the other girls, like, you know, I'm one of, like, I've been repeatedly told I was one of the best girls that they had, and yet those people were the ones that also were firing me. Like, it just was such a mind fuck. I was like, it it was crazy. And I think there's so much about that industry that is, like, about being fake and, like, playing the game that I just didn't do or can't do, you know? But it also sounds interesting. It sounds like... Maybe from the start, you recognize this voice as like a foreign object within you, which like, yes, like, did that take time to separate or was that like automatically like as soon as you heard that voice, you're like, oh, wow, I understand where this influence comes from. Well, I think it was like I had. Yeah, I mean, that it's. I knew because that's really self-aware. Like, there's so many people. Think about how many women or how many people out there that have any kind of pressure about anything that, like, they just think it's them or they just feel this thing and they're not able to like observe it. Like, that's pretty. (laughs) It's pretty mentally advanced. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's just like my because I'm an artist and I think about these things a lot and I. I kind of, like I've said, like I use my, my life in my art all the time. So like, it was really interesting to me to kind of like view myself almost just like seeing how much I was changing through being in this industry. And then like, when you have like a thought you've never had before, that's that drastic. And like, I, I was being thrust into this new world. And like, all of a sudden I was talking about boob jobs and like, you know, all this shit that I never really talked about before. And it was like, I was like, yeah, maybe this would be a good idea. And I'm like, wait, I've never had this thought before. Like what's going on? Like, let me unpack this, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like a lot I mean, of that's these. that's so lucky though. And like, I yeah. feel the same way about, I mean, not really art, art. I feel that way about like when I write or when I do storytelling stuff, mm-hmm. I think it's like, I don't know. Or like in therapy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What I do in therapy. But I think it's, uh, I feel like something that, you know, you and I have talked about before and something that is like so like heavy for me that I like so badly want to know. And I think I've talked about it with, um, with Kelsey too, Kelsey Alabama on Instagram who puts on Wicked Woman here in LA, little plug. Um, sorry, my cat is like swatting at a pen and, uh. 
I don't know how to get her to stop. I don't know if you could hear that. Um, anyway, uh, my, my burning question is like, there are all these empowered, you know, women, there's this whole movement now. I don't know whether it specifically started when the whole quote unquote pole fitness movement started and when it, you know, or really all the things that came into it, but there's this whole generation of super empowered women who, you know, I feel like in terms of feminism, um, you know, you have, have this line in your, your entry that says feminist stripper, feminist stripper. And like, Mm -hmm. when you think about feminism, like so much about it is about rebelling against the roles that we are traditionally put in as women or that we're traditionally seen in as women or traditionally oppressed in as women, such as being a stripper. Um, But now there's kind of this counter action about owning these identities that are traditionally Mm -hmm. seen as oppressed or oppressive or whatever, such as being a stripper and saying, I take this back. I own this. I want this. I desire this. I love to perform. I love to be sexy. I love to be naked. I love to dance, whatever. Um, and so there's this whole generation of, of women that are kind of in that, um, position, but then the structures, if you decide to try to profit off of it, the structures that are set up in order to do that for this generation of empowered women or people or non-binary, whatever, um, are these traditional patriarchal oppressive structures such as strip clubs. And my question is when do these empowered women or empowered people or, or whatever non patriarchal, you know, oppressive men, when, when does that generation start opening their own clubs and start creating the structures to change this because that well, that's really, soon. it seems like, <laughs> you, well, but you know what I mean? Like, it seems like, okay, like enough already, like, you know, and, and I really, it's, it's just kind of weird to me. So like Kelsey puts on wicked woman, which is twice a month at, yeah. you know, a bar here called poor Vu and, uh, which I guess we can plug. You'll, you'll be dancing at that, right? Yeah. Yeah, May May 18th, the day before Mm -hmm. the release party. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that. And, you know, that's great. But it's like, but then we kind of get into the question of like, okay, well, the strip club idea is based off of, you know, the idea that women will be dancing naked for men every night of the week or whatever. And so the question really then becomes when this generation starts creating structures for this empowered generation, what do they actually look like? Do they look like a traditional club or do they look like something different so that's kind of like my kind of like really burning question. i know that's the tough one that's the tough one but why is it tough i'm like can't well, these people just start opening up can you just open up a strip club that's what i'm trying <laughs> to say <laughs> that's what everyone is asking me um yeah i i would love to but I, it's scary. Like that's, I mean, I want some like investor to come along and like, give me a lot of money to do it, you know? And at the end of the day, like, um, I'm a performer and I'm not a business person. So right. okay, so that's, I need to find a business person to help me. <laughs> well, that's my question. My question is kind of why hasn't it happened yet or has it? And if so, where, you know what I mean? Because well, I think, I think all these little events happening, like the fact that Kelsey's doing her show twice a month is like, 
I mean, I think that's really good. Like it went from once a month to twice a month, like very quickly. So I think that's really great. And, but I almost, but I feel like that's, that's not really like a strip club show. That's more of like a burlesque show. You know what I mean? Right. Um, she does put a pull in there. I mean, yeah. they have to, I mean, last I heard they do have to kind of avoid too much of a straight up quote unquote raunchy strip club show because the very right. first show, like during Carmen's performance, there were a few people that threw dollar bills at her and the owners were like, no, no, <laughs> we can't have really? this. Yeah. Why? It's so weird. I don't know. That's weird that they would get all, like, upset. But I know that the laws She was, like, fucking the pole with her... I don't know. She was in a position, and there were dollars. It was, like, five bucks, but people were, like... (laughs) Oh, my God. But they were, like, oh, yeah, so maybe just not that much. They wear, like, pasties. I think they do, like, pasties. But, um... But, I mean, I guess that's my question, is, like, has it not happened because... The people has it not happened because it's there's like a younger movement that maybe needs to get a little older to want to do something like that. Is it because people yeah, who perform think, don't traditionally want to open clubs? Like what? Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. And I think like in order for you know like a feminist strip club to truly exist, like I needs to be like run by women in my opinion like not that men can't be feminists but like and I and I think a lot of like the older female generation came from like first and second wave of feminism that would not be down with stripping you know what I mean mm-hmm. so like this third wave of feminists are just kind of yeah are probably like still young or like not financially um you know solvent and um like are we looking at a future in 10 years that has all of these um i mean we already really have some legendary pole dancers but they tend to own pole dancing like schools and yeah. not strip clubs like alethea austin uh amory dave yeah. like are, are are we looking 10 and 20 years down the road at like them owning strip clubs like maybe a, a future generation like is that I mean, I could see it. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, it's, I mean, you got, you're a lot luckier in the States, like with the amount of different pole shows that you guys have, like just from up here in Canada, like from what I see, it's really cool. Like there's so many different types of pole shows that are happening. Like we don't have fucking like anything in Canada, you know? Like, we have strip clubs, and then we have, like, dinky little pole competitions, and, like, once in a while, there's, like, we get a chance to perform on a stage pole, like, at, like, a sex convention or something, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, like, we don't have Pole Show LA, we don't have, like, the pin-up pole show, we don't have, like, you know, we don't, we don't even have cool competitions, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but I have to say, like, the strippers in Canada are fucking dope like you'll see some crazy shows up here so right in that way maybe like we are luckier but um well, that seems I, to be the only place that you can let out that kind of energy if you don't have yeah, any of the other exactly. institution stuff yeah and i think like i would love to have like if i could envision what i would want to own first of all like i feel like if i owned a club it would only be stripping maybe like twice a, a week yeah. Like, make it special, you know what I mean? Because I think that, like, 
performance like I love strippers I love watching strippers I love naked women naked men like naked people are awesome but I also just love pole too and I think that like it would be awesome you know maybe some nights there's stripping and some nights you'll just it'll be more of like the wicked woman vibe where it's like you know a more like a little bit more demure yeah (laughs) you know and then I would also love to have a space where I could yeah exactly exactly and then also, I'd just love to have a space where I could do, like, my art events. I know. I feel like we literally <laughs> have dream. the same vision of the future. Like, yeah, like, combining, like, art, art <laughs> and performance and, like, this into a magical yeah. space that is feminist and accepting of all, but also, like, has a certain standard of quality. I would one-up <laughs> it to say that that space would even double during the day as, like, events like a studio like yoga studio oh yeah totally studio, like classes I would have classes by day yeah right? and like I would have like my my witch's new moon circle there once a month the first Sunday or new I go to this like new moon women's circle like we could do that there like just this space that literally houses everything that yes, I love exactly fuck it I'm moving to LA I'm coming let's do don't it don't fuck with me <laughs> Does that mean I have to make this explicit since I put – well, I guess the content probably makes it explicit anyway, but I just cursed for the first time. so I probably have already sworn. I don't know anything about podcasts. I think it's fine. Um, I approve of this future. I am into this future very much, and it would probably have to be in L.A. because I feel very, very strongly about building everything that I want to see in the world here in L.A. And uh, Well, I've – I'm I'm like pretty committed to making Vancouver cool. It's just like way smaller of a market. Well, they're not. The two (laughs) cities aren't that far from each other that we couldn't go back and forth. We'll just open. We'll both open like tandem clubs. We'll like just open a franchise of clubs just like right right away. It'll be great. I, okay. I can't even like make words because of how excited I am about that idea. (laughs) Um, Yes. I'm super yeah. into that. I, and I, yeah, I'm really, I'm interested to see where all of that goes. And, um, I feel like it's a weird space and I'm very happy that we found each other. The art and the art and sex industry space is not one that is frequented by many. Although, um, did you know, do you know what AIGA is? This is a fun fact for any designers that may or may not be listening. AIGA is like the state's like oldest and somewhat most prominent like design organization, like for professional designers. And Michelle Stanek, you know who Michelle Stanek is, right? Like big deal professional pole dancer, winner of like a million trillion competitions, used to work for AIGA. Hmm. And spoke at their conference, and I've had many a, a person tell me that it is one of the best design talks they ever had, oh. and they ever heard, I never had, and when I gave my talk at Type Ed, which is like a type uh, community here in LA, I gave like a short little mini talk, somebody told me that that talk reminded them of her talk which is like the best compliment um and i haven't yet seen her talk but um i'm trying to track it down because like anybody who crosses over in like the art or design and also like pull or sex community is like the most exciting for me um so yeah so gotta find that out 
So I just want to wrap up and say thank you so much for sharing, um, sharing your story with me and with everybody and sharing your art with divine. And I'm so excited to have it included and like overjoyed. I mean, I basically planned the release party, um, to be when you were going to be in. So <laughs> that yeah, was, that's uh, so awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, yeah, but, it worked I out. Mean, it's your birthday that week. It's so meant to be. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's, it's good timing. Um, is there any, are there any like final thoughts that you would like to leave us with? Um, well, I wanted to, yeah, like I just wanted to talk a little bit about objectification if I could. Yeah. And like, and like talk to you about it too. Cause I, that's one thing that we've talked about and like, I'm really interested in that idea right now. And I've kind of told you a little bit about this other tandem project that I'm working on where I'm interviewing, um, a lot of my stripper friends and, uh, filming their butts in slow motion. Oh, right, right, right. And, uh, like sometimes other body parts and their faces and like these kind of traditionally like objectified parts of their bodies. And like, I'm choosing strippers because I love them. And also because these are women that have like chosen to be objectified. And for them, it's a positive thing. And this is something that I really like, like felt like doing that job of like, okay, like it's actually like feels good sometimes to be objectified. And like it, I'm really interested in that idea because we're told all the time that like, it's bad to be objectified. It's always bad. It's always bad. It's always bad. And it's like, it's actually kind of hot. Like sometimes I, you want to be objectified and there's like, can be like a freedom and a power in it too of like, I'm this, like, I've become, like, a sex sex object, you know what I mean? And, but at the same time, there's, like, the other side of the coin where it's, like, you can be, like, I was fired for not having, like, this very specific body type that they thought they wanted for whatever reason. And, like, in that way, being actually, like, treated like an object in that way is, like, was incredibly damaging to me and very hurtful. Well, it's kind of like like, you didn't have the two objects that they wanted. Yes. Which were big boobs. Exactly. (laughs) And it's interesting because like the... the, That's actually really fucked up. (laughs) It is really fucked up. It's really fucked up. And also like not... It was a nervous laugh. (laughs) It was okay. It was an absurdist nervous laugh. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like that, like the only difference really is that um, like... Uh, of of basically like consenting to be objectified you know what I mean like I don't know I'm just wondering like what are your thoughts about objectification like who's is it gonna be a good here? thing <laughs> yeah who's well, I'm just thinking about it a lot um well I guess like my question for you before I answer that is like why do you like to be objectified sometimes? Like, what does that feel like for you? Or like, what benefit does that have for you? I'm just curious. Well, it's, it's hot. Like, I think it's hot. Why? <laughs> because like, it. well, just what about it? Like, like, can you give me an example? Like, okay. I think being, yes, being a stripper, like you, part of the job is 
looking hot, you're performing hotness, and you are there to be visually pleasing. Not, And that doesn't mean that it's not also, like, creative and takes skill and, like, that we're also doing amazing things and, like, can be talented and all that stuff. But, like, part of the job is... Um, I am like, I'm, I like, I like to have eyes on me. I like to be looked at. And in that moment, it can feel really good. And then, and then it can go deeper. Like there is a deeper connection that you have with the audience and everything like that. But in that way, like it kind of is like, it feels kind of like a drug, you know, but that being said, like when you take it too far and you're not being respected and you're like treated as only an object and like you don't fucking matter at all then it's really can be really really negative and like that trying to walk that line of like you know like I thought I would be able to walk the line a little bit better you know like I could just go in and be like yes I'm being objectified but I'm in control and like and to an extent that's true but like it's really easy to lose any sense of control that you have in that situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think I have two reactions. One is a reaction to your your take on that. And the other is my own personal reaction. So in terms of the first one, I sort of, you said like, you said like, oh, I thought I could walk that line. And I don't think it's your line to walk. I think it's other people's line to walk. You know, that's kind of like saying like, Oh, well, I should decide when a, when a man in any casual situation gets to do this thing and not this other thing. It's like, yeah, that's You're not, so right. That's not really up to you. Like basically yeah. stripping in terms of objectification, it relates to me in terms, I just watched the other night, um, Erica Lust, um, you know, I've been like getting more into like porn research and stuff. Um, and Erica Les is this amazing porn producer. She's a website called X confessions and she put out an awesome video called feminist and submissive. And it just deals with all these, um, subjects around being a feminist and also liking to be put in a submissive role in terms of kink and BDSM and how it is to be both, which is really, really similar to being a feminist and a stripper because they're both these stripper and submissive are both these roles that are traditionally like, you know, things that women fight against because they're traditionally roles that women, uh, that men naturally, uh, put them in, um, in kind of ways over time. So, um, it relates in saying that like, you know, when you are a submissive in kink, you have given your consent with somebody to engage in a certain type of relationship and you have set boundaries up front. Um, and limits and talked about your pleasures and your desires. So I really relate it to, to being a stripper and, and objectification in that, you know, basically you have given your consent to be objectified in a sexual way by your audience for the whatever, two and a half, three minutes that your song is that you are on that stage. It's that 18 is your- minutes. Our shows are 18 minutes, by the way. <laughs> what are you talking about? We have to do three – Time. Yeah, one show was 18 minutes. Yeah. I was this is the other thing I loved about stripping. Talk wait, about in being a row in the best shape. wait, you have to yeah. dance for 18 minutes straight? Yes. That's the yeah, most three three to, three to four times a night. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wait. Oh wait, wait, wait. But not back to back. You take a break. Yes. 
18 minutes. <laughs> One show is 18 minutes at least. And you do it three times a night, at least <gasps> three times a night. Sometimes four. What in the hell are you talking about right now? I danced today for a free dance for two minutes and I thought I was going to die. What on earth? You learn to do a lot less, let me tell you. But like, you're st- <laughs> I mean, I'm still doing a lot on that stage. Why do you think I, I know, fucking have different. whiplash? I destroyed my body that's for five insane. months. Like, destroyed it. Yeah. Okay. Well, beyond the fact that that's completely insane. <laughs> you're like, but- two minutes. I'm like, no, no, honey. <laughs> two minutes, I haven't even like started doing anything yet. That's you have to out of control. Yeah. Point, point <laughs> being, though, you give your consent for this, like, period of time that you are on the yes. stage that you are performing right so yeah that that doesn't mean that when you get off that stage you're you're supposed to continue to be objectified i think that yeah. like and that's that is a boundary that i feel like everybody should be aware of and that everybody is kind of like audience and employers i mean like you did not consent to like be object sexually objectified from in, in an employee employer relationship. Yes. Do, does that make sense? So there's yes. kind of like this boundary where you allow yourself to be objectified and mm-hmm. that's where it should begin and end. And there are rules, there are rules within there, right? Like, I mean, I don't know what your rules are, but like typically the rules are like, you can't touch the strippers and you can't take pictures of the strippers and you can't whatever, you know what I mean? And you give money to the strippers. Like there are rules. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's kind of how I look at it in terms of like stripping, which I don't do. So the thing that I'm more used to, which is sharing videos like that on the internet. Um, I mean, I feel weird when it's somebody that I don't know, like, I don't know, like being gross and sexual about it. Like if somebody's like yeah. – if somebody's like, man, that's awesome or cool or like, I mean, I have people that I, I'm pretty sure are men that I, you know, I see have like my stuff every time, um, like, you know, look at all my Instagram story stuff and like never really comment. And like that to me is like fine. I don't feel weird about that. But, um, you know, I've had, I've had men, I've had people, I think they're men, uh, you know, like, you know, 10 pull posts and selfies, follow me, comment on a thing and be like, check your Instagram messages. And then like, I look and they've requested to send me a message and it's like, Hey, do you have Snapchat? You know? And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> that, stuff, that stuff makes me uncomfortable. So I don't know. I feel like, um, it goes back to that agreement thing and that boundaries yeah. thing. And I feel like if, if men, slash people are following my stuff long enough, they understand there's like context to it um, that I think somehow constitutes that like agreement that I was talking about in terms of like, okay, like you see that I pole dance and you see that sometimes that dancing is sexual or sensual or erotic or exotic, but you also see that I'm all these other things and you also see the context of it and how I talk about it. And like that just constitutes some kind of an agreement where like, I don't think they're going to turn around and just look at me as an object, you know? Yeah. I mean, that isn't that isn't the space that I've 
consented. Whereas, like, if I'm in a space like Wicked Woman or, like, at my zine release party or something, you know, it's like I have consented for people to look at me for a certain amount of time. I really like that analogy. I think that, like, that kind of sits well with me, so... Anyway, does that answer your question? That was yeah, like super long um, Well, thank you so much um, for all of this. It has been lovely. Can you please tell people where they can find you and look at your yeah. sexy body? Dancing? So many places. Oh my God. Okay, so if you would like to see pole dancing, you can go to at Phoenix Rose Dancer on Instagram. I also have another Instagram account that focuses more on my art, like straight up art practice, and that's Sydney, so S-Y-D-N-E-Y underscore Southam, S-O-U-T-H-A-M underscore art. Um, I also have a website, sydneysouthamart.com, and I have a Vimeo page that has some of my films on there. You can just go to Vimeo and Google Sydney Southam. <laughs> I don't know if they, I don't know it's like a weird like just number of me <laughs> yeah just google me seriously so much shit will come up thank you so much thank you thanks for listening to the divine podcast to find out more or to get your copy of divine visit divine-mag.com or find us on social media on instagram or twitter at we are divine mag or on facebook at talk to divine Until then, we're all we have and all we need.